Blog Talk Radio. Help! I need somebody. Help! Not just anybody. Help! You know I need someone. Help! When I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. She said, the only program of rock and roll contrasts and comparisons. I am your co-host, Lena Stagg, and yes, I do need some help on this very, very crazy Monday after vacation. So, hopefully John will give me a little hand with that. The Recipe Records Rock and Roll Cookbook Series is yours for the taking at lanastag.com. Be sure you check those out. You can turn up the beat in the kitchen with one of these groovy cookbooks. There are four books to choose from. So check those out at my website. And you can also check out my children's series of books, the Little Dog series. They are on my website as well. While you are on my website, please sign up for my free newsletter and blog posts. You will be able to receive free recipes, and since Christmas is coming, there will be plenty of sales coming up as well. So please check those out. And while you are listening to this show, don't forget to like our She Said, She Said page on Facebook and tell your friends about it. And we are on all kinds of other social media as well, Twitter, Instagram. Jude and I are on there as soul um, people. We don't have a She Said, She Said page yet for Instagram, but that might be coming very, very soon. So, as I mention friends, this is my wonderful friend, Jude Kessler, who has wined and dined myself all over Louisiana this past week, and I'm still recovering, as you can tell. <laughs> I am I am getting back into reality, and reality is not fun. It is not fun, but we had a wonderful time. In fact, we were in the hometown of our distinguished guest today and our dear friend who's going to be on the show in a few minutes in Nolens, Louisiana. It was so much fun. Hey, guys, it's Jude Sutherland Kessler, the author of the John Lennon series, a very unique and strange genre. Those books are narrative histories, which means that when you pick them up and read them, they do read just like you would read a story or a narrative, but they are all heavily researched, heavily documented. There were 4,400 footnotes in the last book and detailed, historically correct. So you want to pick one up. It chronicles the life of John Lennon, and in doing so, of course, you get the story of his mates, the Beatles. Begins the first book, should have been there, begins in 1940 with John's birth, 
and the books are chronological. They go up thus far to 1965. The new book that I'm going to start working on in about a week, Shades of Life, will be the story of 1965. We have a brand new book that's been out for about a month. It's called Should Have Known Better and Man, What a Wild Ride. It's the story of 1964 as the boys make A Hard Day's Night, which we'll be discussing today. They go on the world tour, that horribly long and tedious and difficult North American tour, come back to England, have about a week to work on Beatles for Sale in the EMI studio, and then they're on the road again for the Autumn UK tour. They make their Christmas record, release Beatles for Sale, do the Beatles Christmas show. It is a year to end all years, except for the fact that they turn around and do it again in 1965. And you can read a sample chapter from Should Have Known Better on my website, johnlennonseries.com, where you can also do the same thing Lena suggested, sign up for my monthly newsletter, which will be coming out in just a few days. And that newsletter is going to have a great contest this time. It's going to be a fun contest involving facts about yellow submarines. So be sure to sign up in the next few days. You'll be connected via the newsletter to my blog for the Fest for Beatles fans. And, of course, you can order your very own copy of the John Lennon series books. But enough about me and enough about us. We've (laughs) got to get to the real star of the show today. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. Our special guest tales from the very, very hot and humid, but very lovely New Orleans, Louisiana. I can't even say it like they say it. Jude is the queen of New Orleans. And that is where I spent a few days with Jude enjoying jazz and great food and shopping and southern hospitality. And we popped in to see this respected tax attorney, also known as our tax man. He is also an LSU and New Orleans Saints football fan. He is a regular contributor to Beetle Fan Magazine. And even more importantly, he is a mentor for Beatles authors everywhere over the past 20 years as he has been one of the most respected guest speakers at Abbey Road on the River and at the Fest for Beatles fans in New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and more. That is so true. In fact, our esteemed guest has spent the last 20 years, this is his 20th anniversary year, researching Mm -hmm. and establishing a presence as the world's number one authority on Beatles records, Beatles recording, Beatles music. I dubbed him a few years ago the Beatles Fnpedia, and let me tell you, Mm -hmm. it is absolutely true. He is working, I believe, on his 10th book. He has absolutely definitive books on Beatles recordings, including The Beatles Are Coming, in which, of course, they arrive in America for the first time and make their big impact in 1964. He also wrote the two-volume, The Beatles on Capitol Records, wonderful book, which I used a lot for research in my last John Lennon series volume, Beatles for Sale on Parlophone Records, excellent book. He wrote the Beatles swan song. He wrote about the Beatles solo years, many, many, many more. And the latest book that he released, 
on the 50th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was entitled The Beatles and Sgt. Pepper, A Fan's Perspective. But we have begged him not to stop there. He is now working (laughs) on a brand-new book, soon to be released, and we'll let him tell you about that because we want to welcome to the show our friend, Mr. Bruce Spicer. Hey, Bruce. Hey. Great talking to you all again. How are you? I'm doing fine. I survived that New Orleans Saints game yesterday. A lot of action going up and down the field. A lot of fun. And uh, it's been a crazy day today at the office, so it's nice to take a break and chat with friends about my favorite topic, the Beatles. Well, I noticed that Drew Brees was the number one Twitter uh, comment yesterday. You know, he was he was had a hashtag all his own, so what a game. But uh, You know, in, in you John know, Lennon. John Lennon back in 1968, a lot of people don't know this, he predicted who was going to be the MVP of the Super Bowl the year the Saints won it. You know, I said, well, really? how did he do that? Listen to Revolution 9. Number 9, number 9, <laughs> Drew Brees' jersey. <laughs> so now, that that we, is... now that we have that out the way, and I got some exciting, I think he also I got predicted ex- who, who LSU was going to have as their great quarterback this year, number nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that yeah is okay. <laughs> fantastic. Well, for the last couple of months, Lane and I have been nicely, politely debating which Beatles film was the best, A Hard Day's Night, the one that she's pulling for, or Help, my favorite. <laughs> and we started it off with Al Sussman, our dear friend from the fest, uh, talking about the history of the films, why they were made, United mm-hmm. Artists' role in this whole thing, and so forth. And then Bill King, who is, of course, the editor of Beatle Fan Magazine, and your your good friend, we all love Bill, came on about a month ago to talk about the symbolism and the deeper meaning in each film. So today we're going to turn to you to help us evaluate the soundtracks of both films. All right, and firstly, just quickly <clears throat> go over how these soundtracks came about, and that was that United Artists got the idea of, hey, if we do some Beatles movies in our United Artists Records branch in America, could get the soundtrack to these, we could make some money if the Beatles ever got popular in the U.S. This deal was cut at a time when the Beatles are virtually unknown in America. So United Artists Film makes a deal with the Beatles. It's for three movies two of which they get the soundtrack for. Why two and not three, I don't know. But the main thing is two soundtrack albums. So A Hard Day's Night is film number one in soundtrack number one. And United Artists has that. Help, which we'll talk about in a little bit, is soundtrack number two. But that one goes to Capital because United Artists didn't have the rights to that second one. And then the Mm -hmm. third one... Many people will tell you, and it's in many, many books, Yellow Submarine, that is false. Let It Be is the third film and the third soundtrack. And when you all invite me back on your show to talk about Let It Be, I'll explain all that. So moving on, United Artists (laughs) Records in the States all of a sudden realizes, oh, my goodness, the Beatles are really big now, and this gambit that we made in England several months ago is going to pay off big time. And they're going to put out a soundtrack album from the film. And the Beatles at the time, they're told, will have eight songs in the movie of new original compositions you can use. 
And so mm-hmm. United Artists does the math, and they say, you know, most U.S. albums have 12 songs. We're four short. What are we going to do? Well, they had also signed George Martin to a contract. And so their idea was, we'll have these eight Beatles songs, and we'll do four instrumental versions of Beatles songs by George Martin, and we'll put that on an album. Now, some of you are saying, wait a minute, everyone said Bruce is so smart, but everyone knows there are only seven new Beatles songs in that film. He screwed up. No, actually, I didn't screw up. There was a change that was made, and that was that George Martin was aware of the fact that in the film A Hard Day's Night, they were going to twice use the song Can't Buy Me Love. And George Martin felt that was a mistake in that the Beatles should record a new song. And John had this song called I'll Cry Instead, and George Martin said fine. And the problem was the song was under two minutes long, and the chase scene was longer than that. So George Martin edited by repeating part of the song and turned it over to Dick Lester, who was the film's producer. Dick Lester listened to I'll Cry Instead, tried it, and decided he didn't like it and thought Can't Buy Me Love worked better, and therefore it was not used in the film. However, because it was going to be in the film, United Artists and their publishing company, Unart Music, already had the publishing and they already had that recording, and they thought it was going to be in the film. Bear in mind, the soundtrack album comes out a month before the movie. That hadn't been done before. Why did United Artists do Mm -hmm. that? Was it a mistake? No, it was brilliant marketing, because they knew that Capitol could rush out these Beatle recordings, and they were coming out with some album in the middle of July, or the end of July, called Something New, and their idea was, if we wait to Capitol puts out their album with a dozen Beatles songs on it, and our album only has eight, we could be in trouble. So what do they do? They rush release out the Hard Day's Night soundtrack album, and it sells like a million out the door and becomes, at the time, the biggest-selling album in the shortest period of time. And <laughs> Capitol is caught flat-footed. So what does Capitol do? Well, they were going to release A Hard Day's Night as a single, and rather than putting things we said today on the B-side like it was in the U.K., they said, we better double up with another film song. So in the States, it has A Hard Day's Night, I Should Have Known Better. Someone ought to write a book called that sometime. But anyway, (laughs) uh, what happens is Capitol says, you know what else we're going to do? We're going to release two more singles from Hard Day's Night. And so Capitol in a two-week period, puts out three singles with six songs from the film, although one of them is I'll Cry Instead, which is not from the film. But anyway, you get the idea. So you've got If I Fell and I Love Her, I'll Cry Instead, you know, Hard Day's Night, Should Have Known Better. And they figure maybe some people will buy these three singles and not buy the United Artists soundtrack album. Well, people bought both. Uh, The singles did reasonably well, and the album did extremely well. And so that kind of is the history of how that album came about and why it has these eight George Martin instrumentals. So now let's, we're going to come back to this in a minute, but let's flip forward to the Help album. Now it's Capitol's turn. Capitol says, you know, well, we could put out kind of what they do in the U.K. with songs from the film and songs not from the film, but that United Artists album did really well, And why should we waste 
perfectly good Beatles songs that we can put on another one of our especially made for the American market album. And plus, right. they had already on Beatles 6 used a couple of tracks that would be on the British version of the Help album, which was one side of film songs and one side of non-film songs. So Capitol says, okay, we're going to do what United Artists did. But they can't put out George Martin instrumentals for help because he's under contract to United Artists Records. Plus, George Martin is not the musical director for help. He was for a hard day's night. But what happens is Dick Lester and George Martin aren't best of friends. And Richard Lester says, I'm not going to use George Martin as the musical director. Thank you very much, Brian, for those wonderful Beatles songs for the movie. But I'm going to get my buddy Mm. Ken Thorne to do the soundtrack. So George Martin's out. Ken Thorne is in. So Mm. now, what does Capitol have? Well, they have these Beatles songs that are in the movie. And they ask Ken Thorne, can you send us recordings of the songs or the musical cuts, I guess would be the best way to describe it, that are Mm -hmm. in the film. And so Ken Thorne says, fine. Now, a lot of these songs are actually Beatles songs, but they're done a little bit differently. Another Hard Day's Night is an instrumental. And essentially it's Beatles music with, you know, Eastern instruments. Uh, And so that's kind of cool. From Me to You Fantasy, you you know, you sort of hear a tune in there somewhere. And then he has some instrumentals, you know, like in the Tyrol, which is sort of taking a variation of a classical piece and using it. And then, you know, you've got something else called the Chase, which is this instrumental. And then there's this wonderful scene in the film where Clang and his people are in this Herod's truck spying on the Beatles, and they go to chase after them, and it's, you know, supposed to be a a satire of the spy movies that were popular at the time, James Bond, and it's a James Bond-sounding piece. It's not the same notes as a James Bond theme. If you put it on a blackboard, you'll see that, but it sounds like the James Bond theme. And so our good buddy at Capitol Records, the one who everybody likes to say bad things about Dave Dexter, says, okay, let's make this an album. And Dexter gets together with an engineer, and over an evening's time, they put together the soundtrack album. And what they do is they take these musical cuts from the soundtrack, and they put it on an album interspersed with the Beatles songs. And then they do something that's pretty clever. They say, you know, we're going to open up this album with something to really get everybody's attention. Not like John Lennon screaming help at the top of his lungs couldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it could do it. But what do they do? They open it up with this James Bond theme. And then it goes, bum, bum, and help. And it's brilliant. It sounds great. Hokey is all anything, but it sounds great. And the goofy thing about it is that people in my age, you know, when we think of the song Help, we think of that James Bond intro before the help vocal comes in. It was so popular in the U.S., because Capitol's album sold a bunch of copies, that when Capitol did the red and blue collection of the Beatles hits, the version of Help on that album opens up with the James Bond theme, of all things. Yeah. And, of course, yeah. when it was on CD, they corrected that as it were. But, you know, so that kind of gets you an idea of how these albums came to be. One other fun thing Capitol did, they said, this is a soundtrack album. 
And sometimes we make our soundtrack albums a cardboard gatefold album, and when we do that, we charge an extra dollar. So if we made this a gatefold album, we could charge an extra dollar, and we might lose one or two sales on it, but we'd probably not lose any more than that. And that's going to make us about an extra 50 cents an album sold. And, you know, right. 50 mm-hmm. cents an album sold times a couple of million, that's going to make us mm-hmm. a lot of money. And so it was a gatefold album that cost a dollar more than the previous Beatles album, but it didn't deter anybody from buying it, of course. Didn't mm-hmm. hurt the sales at all, did it? Not at all. Not at all. Well, certainly, it certainly didn't hurt the bottom line any. Well, I know we are really just skimming the surface. I mean, there's you, we could talk about this for mm-hmm. hours, comparing mm-hmm. you know these two soundtracks. In fact, I'm thinking, Bruce, this would be a great book, looking just specifically <laughs> at the two film, you know, <laughs> comparing the United Artists, the soundtrack, the true soundtrack with the Parlophone releases. And people are, they're violent in their reactions to this thing. I, I once said to one of our author friends at the Fest for Beatles fans that I preferred the United Artists true soundtrack releases. And I have a picture of him. It's Greg Sterlace tearing his hair out when I said that. So <laughs> he really couldn't believe I said it. Would this be a possible future book for you, perhaps? One never knows, although I think it would be a fun maybe to do a book on... I've been doing kind of a new series of books. My new book coming out is called The Beatles' White Album and the Launch of Apple. And I just Mm -hmm. talked to the printer earlier today. They're actually rolling the presses now, which is always exciting. And the book will be out in November as scheduled, about mid-November. Now, the thing about it is, well, I did a book on Pepper and a book on the White Album. You're going to reach a point where it makes sense to combine things. And so what I might do is something on the, say, the hard day's night through the help sessions. And that would cover many, many albums and how they came out in the U.S. and how they came out in the U.K. So maybe I'll do a book like that, and that'd be a lot of fun. And, you know, kind of expanding what you're talking about, but I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think so, too. And it would be so interesting because you know so much about the comparison of the two. And For example, almost everybody says what you just told us about Yellow Submarine. Everybody says it's the third mm-hmm. film in the United Artists Agreement. So I, I talked to just David that Picker. Alone would, David, David be, Picker was the president of United Artists, and I asked him about that, and he said, it was a cartoon that they were in for about a minute and a half at the end, and we told them, we'll be happy to distribute the film, but it is not going to count as your third film. And so let it be, as it was going to be essentially a TV show, and Alan Klein got the bright idea indeed to make it a feature film, and that also solved the problem because he went to United Artists, and United Artists said, great, film number three would love it, and we get the soundtrack in the States. That's why the United Artists record didn't come with the book. United Artists didn't want to do the big book, and that's why Capital wasn't the company. Now, many people thought Capital was a distributor. They are not. Capital pressed the album, and that's probably because Alan Klein told United Artists, look, let Capital press it so they can make some money on this thing, too, because we just pulled the rug from under them. <clears throat> so I right. think that's mm-hmm. how that must have mm-hmm. gone down. Wow. It, this is all fascinating. It is so fascinating, and I really am excited for our listeners to hear all of um, Bruce's tremendous knowledge. You are just 
the Beatles F Encyclopedia or however Jude says it. <laughs> He's a Beatles F Encyclopedia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is a Jude. Um, that is a Jude word. We're going to have some people coming in and saying we're being anti-Semitic. Folks, I'm Jewish. We don't mean any disrespect to the Jewish religion, I can assure you. Uh-oh. Uh, okay, Bruce. Yeah. Bruce, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Um, I am on um, Facebook and um, Twitter. I think mm-hmm. I'm also on Instagram. I have a website, Beetle.net, B-E-A-T-L-E dot net, N-E-T. This is a great time to go to that website because because it's my 20th anniversary, all of my book regular titles are on sale for $20, including the normally wow. $70 Parlophone book. All on sale, twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. Now the new white album book is thirty dollars. That is not on sale. But if you go to the website and you go, gee, I want to get about two hundred dollars worth of Bruce's books for sixty dollars, you can do it. So wow. I highly recommend people to go to the website. It runs I think through October fifteenth. So now would be a great time to go to that website. Excellent. That would Absolutely. be excellent excellent gifts for Christmas too. I am planning, I hope to pick up one of your White Album books at the White Album Symposium. Yes, indeed. I'm going to drop ship directly from the printer in Canada about 100 copies of the book that I'll have at the symposium, and those will actually be the first publicly available copies of the book. Oh, that's fantastic. I am excited about that. And what is the White Album Symposium, everyone might be asking? It is a fabulous symposium that is and conference that's scheduled for November 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th at Monmouth University in New Jersey. And Bruce, our fantastic guest, along with Jude Kessler and myself, will be presenting at this White Album conference, that's along indeed. with the great Mark Lewison, Jeff Emmerich, Ken Townsend, and, of course, Ken Womack, Walter Everett, Jim Birkenstadt, Robert Rodriguez, Mark Lapidos, and a plethora of respected Beatles authors, record producers, filmmakers, and experts. Bruce, what is your topic going to be for the conference? I'm going to be on several different panels, um, <clears throat> one of them on the White Album releases, another one on the remix of the White Album Al Sussman and I will be doing a panel on uh, 1968 with Jude on it called You Say You Want a Revolution, where we'll talk about the remarkable year 1968 and how the Beatles were intertwined with that year. And then my solo presentation, as it were, will be on the White Album and the launch of Apple Records, tying in uh, you know, to the book uh, that I will be selling at the symposium and hopefully selling on my website to many of your listeners and other people with good taste in books and music. <laughs> Fantastic. And tell them because we are getting pretty close. We're at 427 and we're going to the show will close in about 3 minutes. Tell them where they can find you on Twitter, your website and so forth, Bruce. Just yeah, beetle b e a t l e dot net. Um, you know, is a is a good starting point on that. And um, you know, and obviously we talked a lot about a lot of things, but Quickly, A Hard Day's Night, uh, my God, what a great song. I Should Have Known Better, and I mm-hmm. Love Her. And then you've got Help, you know, and uh, you've yep. got to hide your love away. I mean, 
this music, we could talk about the music alone for a few hours, but I think it was important <laughs> for everyone to understand how these albums came to be. They both sold right. in the millions, of course. Right, mm-hmm. right, they did. And we're going to talk more about this topic coming up soon, Lena, right? That is right. We will be hosting Bruce Spicer once again, October the 8th at 5.30, and we will be coming to you live through Facebook at our She Said, She Said page. So if well, that you sounds do really not, cool. It does sound really cool. It's very lofty. And uh, we will be broadcasting from our Facebook page, which is She Said, She Said. So if you are not... On, if you have not liked and followed our Facebook page, please do so, and you'll see uh, announcements for the upcoming broadcast. So we're excited to to let everybody get a um, get a look at this magnificent Bruce Pfizer, and we will also be hosting a wonderful upcoming author, Terry Crane, who is writing a great book about Beatles memorabilia in the United States. And we are going to have a fantastic talk with Terry Crane on Monday, October the 22nd, right on the She Said, She Said page, also a live video show. Look for those shows to begin at 530. I'm not sure how long they'll last, Jude. What do you think? Until we just run out of time. Okay. Oh, I could be there from 5.30. Should I, like, you know, have somebody bring me breakfast the next morning? I think you should. No, I, and no. I think it should be delivered to us as well. <laughs> Sounds that good. That would be fantastic. We, just, we always have a great time when you're on, Bruce. Always. Enjoy doing it. It's fun to sit around and chat with people who really know their Beatles. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, it, it, is, it is just fascinating to get the discussion, um, and get all the facts. And you are definitely the guru of Beatles uh, material. And so we're really grateful that you would join us today and be patient with us while we develop our video program. I'm looking forward to it. All right. We'll see you in just a couple of weeks. Did you Absolutely. hear that? We'll see you in a couple of weeks. I heard that. Very <laughs> good. Okay. Thanks so much, Bruce. And that is going to be it for today. We are looking forward to seeing you again on October the 8th at our She Said, She Said page on Facebook. Until we meet again, here's to Food for Thought, Food for the Soul, and Food for the Love of Rock and Roll. ta and shine on. It's been a hard